We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Tuesday edition of the Littleware NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and join alongside me as always is Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake on Twitter. Week one is in the books. It's time for us to really break down an actual waiver wire show with NFL regular season games that we got to see both on Sunday and Monday. Before we actually get to some of the guys that we want to target uh, on the waiver wire, I think it's going to be fun to at least talk about the two Monday night games that we saw. And Mm -hmm. frankly, they were doozies of a game. They followed up really what was an excellent overall week Mm -hmm. one. I don't feel like we've had this kind of fun in the NFL for the week one season Mm -hmm. in quite some time. Yeah, we got a ton of complaints on Thursday night about, you know, not enough offense and they needed to play their guys in the preseason and it was low scoring, blah, blah, blah. But anyone that complained about that got exceptional games on Monday. Monday night. Uh, I love Monday night doubleheaders. I wish we could do it all season why long. Haven't, why hasn't that happened early? I, I just, an excuse to spend another six, seven hours watching football is, is, is just glorious for me, especially especially when we get games like this. This Saints-Texans game, at least the ending, was just absolutely outstanding. Really, the whole whole duration of the game was pretty good. Saints obviously ended up winning 30-24. Deshaun Watson led a two-play, what appeared to be a game-winning touchdown. Then we had... Uh, 
I always say the kicker's name wrong for the Texans. Fairbairn missed the extra point. Then we had a 15-yard penalty tacked on, redoes it. Texans go up by one, only for the Saints. Then to drive down with some 40-some seconds left with Drew Mm -hmm. Brees to set up a game-winning, career-long 58-yard field goal for Will Lutz. Uh, and that capped off what really ended up being a fantastic Monday overall football. Mm-hmm. On the other thing, there was really no disappointing fantasy performances in this first game. Everyone you drafted and expected to perform essentially performed. I mean, Deshaun Watson had a had a pretty good game. Uh, three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Drew Brees did his thing. Uh, Alvin Kamara had 170 yards from scrimmage. Latavius Murray scored the touchdown. Uh, I mean, Duke Johnson okay game uh had in some PPR, catches. he was what we wanted yeah. him to be yeah and non-ppr he actually got perfor- outperformed by Hyde, but in ppr he was fine he's about yeah exactly he's what we wanted him to be michael thomas 10 catches he could lead the league in catches nuke had two touchdowns pivotal role on those final drives uh will fuller you know had that 54 yard catch to help his stat line so across the board at least in that game uh everybody that you were hoping to produce from a fantasy standpoint produced so uh if you were projected to win going into monday night there's a good chance he did even some lesser targets i think of kenny stills making his debut with the texans got that technically was supposed to be a game-winning touchdown pass uh after Mm -hmm. the long one to deandre hopkins kenny stills gets a touchdown he didn't really factor in other than that but that probably saved his scoreline if you were forced to start him all in week Mm -hmm. one yeah i mean he's only 23 percent owned in yahoo league so i mean he he could make our waiver wire show today if we wanted to absolutely and ted ginn had a pretty solid game as well there were it was a lot of offense and a lot of moving the ball around and it it was good to see and i think both those teams are going to be pretty good i felt great about my texans um super bowl bid that i made in vegas Vegas two months ago. I still felt pretty good about that and how the offense operated. Um, you know, obviously not a great outcome for that result, but that was only $10 down the drain, so it's not that mm-hmm. big of a deal. The other Monday night game, though, was also pretty interesting, too. I think probably for the simple fact that the outcome was significantly different than a lot of people anticipated. Not me, but a lot of other people. Raiders ended up winning 24-16. Frankly, they dominated the game throughout three quarters and let Joe Flacco and company come back towards the end and made it a little bit more competitive. Uh, the rundown says Brandon Jacobs could be a league-winning back, and I think that was obviously a typo, or maybe you just really are fascinated with the 2005 mm-hmm. version of the yes, New yes. York Giants. I'm, oh, I'm absolutely fascinated. <laughs> yeah, big back. No, Josh Jacobs, uh, he was phenomenal. He's the biggest fantasy takeaway from this entire game. Because no. From this entire game? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who is, oh, you, you got to you have your boy Tyrell Williams, don't you? Yes, don't that's you? I mean, Okay, so yeah, Tyrell Williams was good. Seven targets, caught six of them for 105 yards and a score. But Josh Jacobs carried the ball 23 times. So anybody that's afraid of DeAndre Washington or Jalen Richard can, can you know, you know get the heck out of here. Uh, and two touchdowns for Josh Jacobs. I mean, he is... Uh, that he almost single handedly brought me back in a, in a league where I had like a five percent chance to win, and I've got him uh, as a reasonably priced keeper now in a keeper league. And I mean, overreaction week one, I'm really excited about it because he's going to make a difference in fantasy leagues. You probably drafted him as an RB two, and he's looking like he's a guy that can get RB one value. Now the big question is: Is this just like? Uh, kind of uh, poetic justice or karma for the Raiders. They deserve this win after everything they went through, and are they going to go back to being the four-win team that everyone thought they were after this, or are they actually going to be good? Because that's going to dictate the value of Josh Jacobs. I think there's actually a lot of storylines that came out of this game, even more so than the Saints-Texans. For the most part, what we saw in that first Monday night game is what I kind of expected from both offenses and, frankly, both defenses. 
what we got from the Raiders Broncos is entirely different and off script. Now, I talking about bids for the, the Texans in Vegas, I also made a few gambling propositions on the Broncos taking under on seven wins. I feel very good about that. And it was entirely based on the premise that Joe Flacco just is not a good quarterback and that offense is going to struggle. I didn't anticipate the Raiders offense looking as good as they did. Now, Josh Jacobs, and, and I think you're bringing him up and, and talking about him as a fantasy darling because he ended up winning your league, but he was going as a third or fourth round selection in most formats. And we were basing that off of entirely the fact that he was going to get 25 to 30 touches every single game. That's mm-hmm. not going to change. And I don't think it's going to change all season, regardless if he's going to have difficult matchups ahead. Now, you would have assumed the Broncos defense would be difficult. That didn't end up being the case. And Jacobs mm-hmm. looked good in his touches, but he was going to get that. Tyrell Williams being a true number one receiver for his team is a big thing for a guy that was getting drafted in rounds 10 and later. And Darren Walker, HBO, Hype, Hard Knocks, all included, mm-hmm. ends up being one of the top 10 fantasy tight end. And frankly, one of the bargains it looks like at his position overall. Those are two storylines that I don't see changing at all that I would have a hard time just saying outright. And you know how much I love Tyrell Williams entering this year. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that I have in just about every league. Got a lot of points on a lot of your benches, I would assume. No, no, that's actually Lamar Jackson. You, <laughs> I was going to say, we'll, we'll did, get to in a little did bit. you put Tyrell Williams in a lot of lineups? Because I, I only had him in like maybe one place and uh, I couldn't stomach starting him. Either it was because I had a league where it was two wide receivers or I just had really good wide receivers on top of him. But he's going to creep into... now. I think opposing defenses, you would you would hope would uh, would figure this out a little bit better, realizing that he is their key threat in the pass uh, in the passing game for them. But uh, but we'll see where this goes. He could he could turn into something, especially if the Raiders find themselves behind in more games, because this was technically probably a negative game script for him with them being ahead pretty much the entirety of the contest. But the Broncos kept it just close enough, and they had to pass just enough to uh, keep William, Williams good and productive. See, I think you're bragging about how great your lineups were because I, I had Tyrell Williams essentially as a wide receiver two and wide receiver three on most of the teams I drafted. I felt confident even after Antonio Brown left that he was going to do production-wise what I thought he would. And mm-hmm. frankly, it was good. And you're right that this is probably a negative game script for him moving forward. However, if the Raiders are trailing in other games, and it's quite possible that they will, I, I still don't know if they're that good of a team overall. I wonder if it's Hunter Renfro or J.J. Nelson or somebody like that that ends up getting the Danny Amendola sort of plays that the Raiders have mm-hmm. and might, might will have. And yeah. I don't know if we figured that out from this game, but that could be a lucrative role moving forward given what we assume the Raiders will be as a, a negative team moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do worry about that a little bit that, I mean, the tight ends there, teams are going to have to game plan for that, but there's really no other pass catching option that you have to game plan for. So maybe defensive coordinators will get smart. I mean, you, you, when we talked about the Antonio Brown situation early, earlier in the offseason, you said you wanted Brown to be there because you think that actually helped Williams. That was part of your Williams, mm-hmm. that's part of your Williams love. And now he's going to get a lot of attention. We'll see if he deals with it like a superstar or like the wide receiver too. He's been for most of his, most of his career. Yeah, even as wide receiver two, 10th round later, like, I just think he's going to be fantastic. And uh, you were talking about him being on my benches for the most part. It's weird. A lot of my guys, and I I said this on Twitter earlier, a lot of my guys did great. Ronald Jones, I own in eight leagues. He had uh, over 90 total yards. Lamar Jackson was one of the biggest fantasy darlings of the entire week one slate overall. Tyrell Williams did fantastic. These are guys that have been touting all season long. Unfortunately, none of them made my lineups. And I think that's where I had to kind of reckon with myself. And I had a conversation with my wife on Sunday after looking at my teams and realizing I was going to go 0 for 13. Thankfully, I, I snuck out two wins, so 2-11 and 11 in my 13 That's leagues brutal, so far. That's brutal, man. I don't know if you want, to, you want to say that. No, it's fine. Because And then here's why. My job isn't to win fantasy leagues. That'd be great. Would really love that for an ego boost. But my job is to 
identify fantasy players that I think are going to have successful seasons, and you do the same thing. Yep, that's what this waiver wire why, show is going to be all about. Which is why you were touting Mitchell Trubisky, which was a great quarterback selection overall. You know, I, think the, <laughs> I think the Packers' defense is just going to be uh, exceptional this year. So I'm going to let, I'm going to let Mitchell uh, take a pass on that one. That's, week that, one, yeah, that's true. I'll be really curious to see actually how they do this in week two. But we'll get to some of the guy, the quarterbacks, and other players that we want to target overall. I did want to quickly bring up two injury notes while we have time. Darius Geis could be out either this week overall or up to four weeks overall with what appears to be knee injury. Now, it's not the same uh, knee injury that he had last season. Yeah, and, I, and I saw meniscus career. last meniscus, I looked. Right. And I mean, geez, there were guys at my high school that were playing without meniscus. So yes, it, it's possible. The same thing, yeah. yeah. It's, it's possible. It's it's a better outlook than what he was dealing with last season, of course. Right. So, okay, maybe we have Darius Geis miss one week, up to four weeks, whatever else. That's interesting, and we'll talk about Adrian Pearson a little bit more when we, we're talking about overall running backs to target. I think that's actually a bigger deal to the Redskins offense overall. That was one of the bigger surprises of week one is just how effective mm-hmm. Case Keenum was as a quarterback, which honestly shouldn't have been as surprising. I don't know if the Eagles defense has really improved that dramatically from one of the worst secondaries that we saw towards yeah. the end of 2018. The big surprise with Washington for me is that they uh, put Adrian Peterson on the inactive. Yes. List. And I saw uh, you know a lot, of, uh, a lot of reports that you know that didn't settle so hot with a lot of the people in the locker room considering he basically bailed them out last year, and now he's going to have to bail them out again. Yeah, so and so it, we'll see how that goes moving forward. The decision forward. was based on the fact that they wanted to have the third running back on the roster be more of a special teams influence, which is not what Adrian Peterson does. We're going to have to have, see what happens in week two, week three, and moving forward, because obviously mm-hmm. they're going to have to have him out there. Darius Geis has proven to be a bit of an injury risk, at least early in his career, and what that means for their overall roster, it's it's going to be interesting. The other injury to note, though, Greg Olson was not seen at practice Wednesday. He played 63 of the total 67 offensive snaps in uh, the week one loss to the Rams. He was a guy that was kind of going tight end 14, 15, 16, that if you threw a dart towards the end of the end of the season or end of the draft and were like, all right, I need a wire, or tight end two, Olsen was a guy I was targeting quite a bit, and I feel pretty good about his prospects overall. It's disappointing, though, to see him have a back injury. We didn't hear about uh, leaving the game on Sunday against the Rams. Yeah, I, I, I don't think status. I'd look too far into this because a veteran like him at this point that's 34 years old, he shouldn't practice a single Tuesday all year anyway. You're so right. They you're can right. give him a tag and they can give him a questionable tag heading into the week, but I think I need to see more to advance that, especially if he stayed in and played all those snaps. You know, they can they should like I said, rest him every Tuesday, rest him half the Wednesdays for all I care. At this stage in the career in his career, this is how he needs to be managed. He's a guy that probably talk about more when we get to the tight end specifically to pick up. But before we really get into that overall, let's get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo DFS. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy is returned. Yahoo offers large contests with thousands of dollars up for grabs and no management fee, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. Yahoo also limits many of their GPP tournaments to a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes are available, and if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. All right. So before we really dive into the actual positional guys that we want to acquire, just a quick refresher for the listeners. Most recommendations are going to be for 12 team leagues, about a hundred dollar waiver or fab budget. And the ownership percentages for Yahoo, we're trying to stick to people that are under or featured or at least under 50% owned. So mm-hmm. percentages taken on Tuesday morning, it's meant to get a sense of who's really available before the waiver wire cl- mm-hmm. claims come in, before you start picking up people and we see that stuff rise. So again, we're trying to target people under 50% owned. This question kind of came up last week when we were identifying Tyrell Williams as something that needed to get picked up. Mm-hmm. 
again, most of these leagues, these players that we're talking about are not available. doesn't mean that the listeners have the deeper benches and leagues that where you're trying to acquire these kind of guys. Yeah, you always have to keep league perspective in mind. We're going to try to balance that during uh, pretty much all of our discussions here. You know, if you've listened to us for any or, or heard me on this podcast for any of the last five years, uh, we try to stick to default, you know, 12 team when talking about a fab budget. Obviously, if you have a $200 fab budget, double what we say. Um, we'll try to work this discussion in if you have waiver claim system and uh, uh, hopefully this will be ready for your commute and can get you going. I think most leagues run fab or run waiver claims on Tuesday or Wednesday nights. So uh, we'll get you going and we want to try to com- provide a, as complete of a list as possible. There's going to be some guys that, you know, are going to be geared towards eight ten teams leagues. They're going to be guys that are geared towards 16 team leagues, two quarterback leagues, maybe two tight end leagues. Uh, so we're going to try to cast a wide net and help as many people as possible. We're going to try to run through all the names too. You know, we want to give you a big list of names you can look for and, and continue to type in and go down the list when you're starting to look for in your league. So hopefully this helps uh, you guys out. Obviously, any follow-up questions, we're limited to about an hour in what we can talk about here. <laughs> um, this could easily be a two-hour show if we wanted to, especially after week one. There's a lot of names to talk about, but obviously feel free to hit us up with follow-up questions on Twitter. I'm Roto Jake. He's JB Fantasy Sports. And that sound you heard was actually a text alert from me on my phone that we had Kevin Payne's article on RotoWire up that highlights the week two pickups mm-hmm. to uh, get, and he goes over fast budgets overall i'm in a few nffc leagues so deeper formats 20 roster or 20 league spots 20 roster spots in the league overall and i can kind of give more of a sense in the fab pickups on that as well which i'll be tweeting out throughout the week uh, i made a bunch of different fab bids earlier to kind of get this podcast started or at least have an idea of what we want to talk about so mm-hmm. and if it's your first least- year listening to the pod fab Free agent acquisition Free, yes, budget. We should probably clear that up just in case for anyone. Again, all lo- levels, we try to cast a wide net here. Yeah, so we, we're, we're kind of touching on a lot of different levels overall. And let's start with the quarterbacks. We identified Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Fitzpatrick as two quarterbacks that you might want to consider picking up last week. One hit, one did not. And that might mm-hmm. be because the Miami offense overall is going to be one of the worst teams, uh, I think, in recent memory. Over That's that's pretty fair to say after they got completely destroyed by the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good. Now, I watched the entire Colts-Chargers uh, game. That was one of the better Week 1 games overall. And I think a little bit more dink and dunk is what we were anticipating, but that was not a bad play overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, T.Y. Hilton actually got involved for Jacoby yes. Brissett. That was all right. Um, so he's going to be serviceable. We kind of had him as a mid-tier QB2. Uh, right? We had him, I think, after the luck retirement, we put him up to 24 on the Roto-Wire ranking. So just kind of like one of the last QB2s in the in, in our overall rankings for two quarterback leagues. Maybe he bumps up a little bit based on this performance. Uh, but the overall outlook doesn't change. He's going to be a viable streamer on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, just got blown out by the Ravens, which, uh, you know, apparently one of the better defenses in the league, or we can just say Miami's probably the worst offense in the league. Uh, it's going to be real trust or difficult to trust any fantasy assets on that Miami team. I originally jotted down, you know, Josh Rosen for two quarterback leagues, maybe. But, um, you know, even if you were put in a position where you had to do that, it's not going to happen until bye weeks and week four and beyond. And even then you can't really feel good about it. Rosen basically came in and played mop-up duty for Fitzpatrick. So the big guys to focus on in the quarterback department this week, I'm just going to kind of lay it all out there here for you. Uh, Obviously, Nick Foles, uh, he can be cut now, broke his collarbone. He probably wasn't someone that was rostered in the first place. So Gardner Minshew steps in and and has two quarterback relevance. But also, uh, there's a lot of good streaming options this week I want to get to as well. Yeah, Gardner Minshew, I just wanted to mention, 
his name sounds like somebody that is in a Stephen King novel probably gets murdered within the first chapter or two. <laughs> yes. I don't I, like that's perfect. It's, it's really a fantastic name, and I, I kind of like him in two QB leagues. I was impressed to see what he did against the Chiefs defense, but we might need to consider the Chiefs defense again as one of the worst ones, at least through the, mm-hmm. the opening bits of the season. I think that's what makes Derek Carr, who plays the Chiefs in week two, actually a formidable streaming option, mm-hmm. along with Josh Allen going against what I think is going to be if it's if the Dolphins weren't in the league right now. Let's say there's 31 teams. The Giants would be also considered one of the worst teams in the NFL, mm-hmm. and they made Dak Prescott look like Joe Montana in Week 1 with Randall Cobb, uh, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper all having fantastic days. I think it's entirely possible for your boy, Josh Allen, to actually have a very very mm-hmm. reasonable uh, top-10 fantasy upside this yeah, year. Yeah, Josh Allen's still only 32% owned, so he's out there in two-thirds of Yahoo leagues, You know, thanks to our sponsors, Yahoo, of course. Uh, and, and yeah, this Giants team made uh, Dak Prescott look like he deserves $200 million. Yes. You know, Dak Prescott is currently the highest fantasy scoring quarterback, even with um, even, even with, with Lamar. Lamar. Yep. Oh, yeah, I, I rated him here. I think it's because Dak Prescott had a lot more yards. If I can, uh, if well, I can get that right, because Lamar only to play three quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or actually, you know, it depends on the. Yeah, you're right. It depends on the scoring system. But it's uh, I don't know. This one I've got him within point one six points of each other. I guess it depends on which league I look at because they all do it a little differently. But anyway, uh, currently the Giants giving up top two. They're top two at least in a. Fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. I'm going to need to iron out that sequence here before we get too far out. But Josh Allen, obviously, he does it both ways, just like Lamar Jackson can. He has the potential for a huge fantasy day. I think uh, his price will go up a little bit. He's going to be a very interesting DFS play this week, uh, and and someone that I'll be looking to target. But both, yeah, both Derek Carr and and uh, and Josh Allen are two key streaming options this week. I also wrote down Sam Darnold versus the Browns because we saw Marcus Mariota look pretty good. Against the Browns, plus yards Browns and three touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. This Browns defense not uh, not doing what we thought they were going to do. Marcus Mariota looked excellent on play action, and of course Sam Sam Darnold has Le'Veon Bell to run those play actions. So uh, him and Jamison Crowder, who's a, you know who should be owned across the board as well, and just because Marcus Mariota played so well, uh, they've got the Colts this week, and um, obviously Philip Rivers looked pretty good against the Colts through three touchdowns for over three hundred yards. Those would be your deeper streaming options uh, if you had to, but I think your top two you could go in any order i think i personally like josh allen better because of the the floor the rushing yards give give you but josh allen or Derek carr are serviceable streams this year uh or this week and I'm, you know I, I guess i can look to see if anyone's got a particularly difficult matchup but those guys are uh they should be started in more leagues than they will be I should, i'll say maybe it's an overreaction to myself who has lamar jackson in five of my 13 leagues and refused to start him in any one of them despite having a, a mm-hmm. pretty solid matchup and i knew it'd be solid don't don't feel the bad I mean, someone texted me carson wentz or lamar jackson this week i'm like carson wentz Come on, like yeah, Lamar Jackson's going to be good, but uh, well, how about this? It was, it was before Week One, yeah. I mean, like Car- Jackson's going to be good, and he's got a great matchup. But I mean, Carson Wentz, you have top Against five, six Redskins. quarterback overall. So yeah, and I see, and I told a really good friend of mine to start Jameis Winston over Lamar Jackson, and that one ended up literally losing in the league. Now, <laughs> at least I practiced what I preached, and I also lost all my leagues because I started Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson. But I, mm-hmm. I do, I think it's a bit of an overreaction for me. I, st- I think Josh Allen is probably a guy that I'd start right away. And I think of uh, Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers. And, and week one, I was recommending Rodgers. Well, you drafted him for the this reason. You invest a high pick. We know mm-hmm. that he's going against the Vikings and Bears four times a year. 
and Tom Brady ended up being completely blowing him out of the water, and he was a guy that was not being drafted or at least around that range. I think Josh Allen has that entire capability against the Giants defense that just isn't very good, and it's not going to be very good all season long. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. There are some excellent streaming options this week, and it's going to be awesome to see where on RotoWire Jeff Erickson ranks these guys for yeah. week one. The, the value meter comes out every Tuesday. Again, rotowire.com slash free uh, to get his personal rankings. He's an FSTA Hall of Famer, folks. Uh, don't forget it. You listen to him on Mondays with Liz. Yeah, uh, and I think Liss actually talked about how future the, the Giants overall were going to be. And that mm-hmm. had re- affirmation for me because I, I was hearing both Jeff and Liss kind of talk about maybe the Giants could be a sleeper team. They could win six or seven teams. And uh, I, I feel pretty good about my proclamation that they're mm-hmm. they're not. Right on. Yeah. Before we get to the running backs, though, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Fantasy Draft. Here's one million rake-free reasons to play on Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft is kicking off the 2019 NFL season in a big way with or $1 million Hooters kickoffs. This guaranteed contest is just $20 to enter with the top 10,000 finishers winning cash prizes. And like all contests on Fantasy Draft, it's rake-free. That means 100% 100 of entry fees are paid to contest winners. Rake-free contests on Fantasy Draft are a game changer. No longer really lose 30% of your bankroll to rake. Join Fantasy Draft today and experience rake-free daily fantasy for yourself. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and use the promo code RWNFL to take part in the rake-free revolution. Now, the running back position normally is a pretty lucrative fab uh, target target overall. I feel like the pass catchers, pass catchers are actually the ones that are mm-hmm. are more lucrative in week one. Let's get to some of the running backs. We talked about Kalen Balaj, Justin Jackson, Justice Hill, uh, Dare Gubanwale, and Malcolm Brown as guys to target or pick up that were under 50% owned in Yahoo Leagues last week. Of those, obviously, Malcolm Brown ended up being the biggest standout, filling mm-hmm. in as very clearly the number two running back for the Rams behind Todd Gurley. There was absolutely no Daryl Henderson at all involved, and that breaks my heart as somebody who owns him in seven leagues. But Malcolm Brown uh, was the goal line back for the Rams, and that was at least disheartening for a few Todd Gurley shares of mine as well. Yeah, the thing with Malcolm Brown, that I mean, I had him on my bench in three leagues too, and just because he came out and scored two touchdowns doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to start him next week over you know, so many options that I had or emphasize that the position uh, but he's still only 14% owned in Yahoo leagues and I think he should be owned as a as a kind of insurance policy for if and when uh, Todd Gurley's arthritic knee begins to act up yes. again we see pretty clearly maybe it happens later on in the season but like you mentioned Daryl Henderson is um, not involved at all he's someone that you could almost slip towards your cut list in a shallow league can you really hang on to him for eight weeks until he's part of the game plan I don't know about that. So we were kind of right with the Sean McVay preseason analysis, right? If you don't play in the preseason, that's a very good sign. Henderson played quite a bit. Not such a good sign. So uh, so Malcolm Brown at 14%. I think every Todd Gurley owner should have him. Todd Gurley owners don't necessarily have anything to worry about too much yet, but uh, Malcolm Brown needs to be owned um, for that situation. And because it looks like he might have some standalone value. I mean, Todd Gurley, 14 carries. Malcolm Brown, 11 carries. I don't necessarily expect that to always be the norm, but there could be some standalone value or flex play options or when it comes to bye weeks here in a couple of weeks. I'm holding on to Daryl Henderson over most of these guys, or at least in inclusion with most of these guys in deep formats. Mm-hmm. In in shallow leagues, and I have him in shallow leagues, I am absolutely cutting him. And I, that'll be the first one I'll admit that I was wrong on Henderson mm-hmm. as to what he could be in the Rams offense. I was expect, expecting and really anticipating that he would be a big product mm-hmm. of it overall, and he was just nowhere Every, to be seen. Everyone touted him as the next Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Like he was going to come in and have his own standalone value and, and take people by storm. That might happen still. I can't rule it out completely, but I don't know how long you can afford to wait when you have all these good pass-catching options that are out there and even a couple running options, guys, that are going to really help you and be very useful flex 
flex plays once bye weeks come around. We're we're looking ahead four or five weeks. We gotta we gotta yeah. play chess here when everyone else is playing checkers. That's how you win fantasy. I'll take leagues. Henderson over Kalen Balage, and that's only because I think that Miami offense is just literally the most putrid thing we've ever seen, uh, or at least recent memory. Maybe the Browns mm-hmm. come to mind when they're one yeah. for thirty. Balage five carries for minus one yards. He can probably go to the cut list uh, too this yeah. week. I, like that's that's kind of it. Justin Jackson actually looked really good mm-hmm. in the limited carry. However, it's it's worth pointing out that that was a seventy to thirty percent timeshare split with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And by no means did Eckler miss on his opportunities. He had three touchdowns, one hundred fifty total plus yards mm-hmm. receiving yeah. and rushing, and and he looked good. So, thirty point uh, fantasy day for Eckler. He's winning people weeks. Yes, and so maybe we can find some guys that will win weeks for week two. Adrian Pierce, we already kind of talked about the top of the hour mm-hmm. uh, with Darius Geis potentially slated yep. for a multi week absence. He is a hundred percent worth picking up, but I don't yeah. know if I want to start him in a flex. Yeah, what kind of fab bid are you are you using on him? If you were, st- I mean, it, it's going to be all situational because if you were starting Darius Darius Geis for whatever reason, you obviously need a replacement. He doesn't necessarily need to be used as a flex because there are no bye weeks yet. He's got Dallas, uh, who you know gave up a you know a okay fantasy day to Saquon Barkley a defense that I think is really good and improving I mean I got Jalen Smith as an IDP in Stakely I hope he ups his tackle totals but I mean Saquon Barkley averaged double digit yards per carry against the Cowboys so I mean uh if you couldn't bank on 15 to 20 carries for Adrian Peterson he might be okay and you just got to hope he finds the end zone once or twice Chris Thompson is the other waiver wire option that I see get thrown around Adrian Peterson 38% owned in Yahoo leagues I saw him get drafted a ton but I think he might be available because people saw that he was inactive week one and then kind of made the impulse move to make him their cut because they're like oh they really have no role for him so there's going to be situations where you can pick him up there Chris Thompson 14% owned he's worth a look but it's like a low-end flex play in a 16 team PPR league in shallow leagues, I, I imagine Peterson's available. If you're talking about like NFFC, there's no way. Like I have him in a few mm-hmm. leagues, and it's it's great, but it's kind of found money at that point. You have to like anticipate or at least kind of assume what the game script is going to be for that Redskins-Cowboys game. I would have thought that Chris Thompson would have immense value against the Eagles because they're going to get blown out right away, but they jumped out to a 17-0 lead, and the Eagles had to fight and claw to even get the win. If that ends up happening again, Adrian Peterson is a very valuable option if he's available on your waiver wire. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the Redskins having that kind of success again. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is actually a pretty good team, but... I'm trying to have the same thought process, and, and unless it, something completely convinces or changes my opinion, that the Redskins were going to be a bottom five NFL team, and I just don't see how that changes. Yeah, so if you're thinking about picking Chris Thompson, maybe go ahead and get a better Chris Thompson in the form of Giovanni Bernard. He's only 15% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Joe Mixon is day-to-day with uh, what seems like a minor ankle injury. He doesn't have the dreaded high ankle sprain. Uh, it's day-to-day, but uh, Giovanni Bernard had a 62% snap share on Sunday because of uh, you know the situation that was going on there. Remember, they just gave Gio that extension before the season. Mm-hmm. I've done this to myself in so many leagues. I pick up I pick up or I draft Joe Mixon. Not so much this year because I learned my lesson from doing the exact same thing last year. <laughs> but I pick up Joe Mixon. Then he either gets banged up or something happens, and I end up spending a third of my Fab budget on Gio Bernard just so I have a you know a, a good RB two. So uh, he's right up there in terms of running back targets this week. He's somebody that uh, should at least be occupied. Um, I mean, if you have like a Devin Funchess or, or a Nick Foles, or if you have dead weight on your roster, even if you don't plan to start Gio Bernard, pick him up to make sure the Joe Mix, just the stiff, the Joe Mixon owner, that would be the that'd be the way to go. I very much advocate that strategy in any format possible. And they've got the 49ers, middle of the road matchup. Yeah, and I'll take Giovanni Bernard over Daryl Henderson as another uh, guy that just to kind of cut cut dead weight. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be fantastic, and as a PPR back especially. 
he needs to be owned in shallow, deep leagues, whatever the case, he needs mm-hmm. to be owned. And even if Joe Mixon ends up playing, which I don't know if it's a certainty, it kind of sounded at least following following Sunday's game that it was kind of up in the air and we'll see his stats moving forward. Bernard needs to be closer to 50 or closer to 30 or 40% owners rate, at least on Yahoo leagues. And I imagine in other formats as well, Malcolm Brown, we kind of discussed him as a waiver wire pickup last week and, and talked about his success. This is a non-debate. I imagine he's going to be of the running backs, probably the highest acquired guy out there right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you, what you need. If you need someone to fill in a week or if you need someone to just make your roster the best it possibly can be from top to bottom, even if the guys at the bottom aren't starting it. And uh, I think, yeah, I think, there's situations for both of these guys. Uh, but let's see. So we talked about Peterson, Bernard, Brown. we got to touch on Raheem Mostert a little bit, don't we, with Tevin Coleman out? You know, he's got, he does have the high ankle sprain. Matt Breed is around, didn't do all that much in week one with the increased opportunity, and it was Mostert that, uh, that, um, that had the better game. And I think he's going to be a guy that when we get down to deeper leagues, he's only 1% owned. He's going to be a guy that uh, will be bid on as well. What do you feel about, uh, or how do you feel about Kyle Shanahan's uh, comments afterwards that the 49ers are going to be looking to acquire a running back from outside of their their realm, like whether that be Melvin Gordon. Uh, people keep talking about JGI. Stop it. Just stop. It's, that's not going to make a difference. even healthy? Like, no, I, I don't know. I don't care. Like that doesn't make. That's just like Carlos Hyde for me, where I, I just don't care what they do or what situation they fall into. We, we are done with that. We've made that mistake already. But I could see them trade Melvin trade for Melvin Gordon. I kept talking about the Buccaneers, a, a team in large part because it's the NFC. The Chargers trading conference it's not going to hurt them as much and the 49ers have clearly clearly spent money on the running back position with Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon the past two years they're not risk adverse to doing that again for Melvin Gordon like I think it's entirely possible that could happen yeah especially if they come out and start one and oh where Jimmy Garoppolo only threw for 166 yards he didn't look good yeah he didn't look great that they ran the ball as a team 32 times um if you're going to plan to do that uh you know six of those only six of those you have to replace by Coleman um I could see that so that's a little bit concerning but until that happens we have to deal you know we have to play the hand that's been dealt here and you know Raheem Mostert shouldn't be looked at all that differently than a Chris Thompson type I would rather have Mike Davis who I thought was at least impressive in the fact that he got so many shares of the backfield that had David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen in it and yet he was still a guy that was being used as the PPR threat when the 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 Bears were trying to come back Mm -hmm. towards the end of the fourth quarter in that game now yeah that was very interesting seven targets for him yeah I, I think by default, you have to be considering him in PPR leagues as a guy that maybe gives you a 5 to 10 point mm-hmm. floor each and every week. And that's worth rostering over a lot of other guys like yeah. Darwin Thompson or even Damien Harris, who I had a few shares of as the Patriots backfield. Give me Mike Davis ahead of both those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially after LeSean McCoy signed in Kansas City, Darwin Thompson moves to the cut list. Yeah, Mike Davis is uh, certain. Yeah, he's certainly fine to look at. I mean, didn't do much against what's apparently an outstanding Packers defense, but also well outperformed David Montgomery, which is very interesting. I don't know how long that lasts, but there's definitely some short-term value there. And we mentioned Mike Davis as a super late-round sleeper a lot in the offseason. So this is a name that at least should be on your radar if you can click the little star to add a guy to your watch list on your league hosting format. I know you can do that on our our sponsors, Yahoo, of course. But uh, yeah, he's a guy that should be on the radar and uh, could have some standalone value this year. And uh, if anything were to happen to any of those other guys, I mean, I mean, Tariq Cohen didn't even get a carry, so right. so that should be that should be pretty telling. I mean, this feels like so long ago. We're talking about the Thursday night game, but it's very relevant to the waiver wire discussion here. Uh, but and uh, the last thing I want to add here before we move on from running backs, you're going to see guys like Rex Burkhead, Alexander Madison. Gus Edwards pop up on some free agent lists. All those guys had decent stat lines, but you need to keep in mind the game script. Each of those teams 
basically one big blowout. So I don't think, uh, while the production was cool, I don't know if it's something that you can count on from week to week, and they're definitely not pick-up-and-start type guys. The Gus Edwards one is is really, really eye-opening for me, and I think one of those cautionary stay-away types of deals, uh, they won 15 out of 10. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to play basically a whole fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and you're putting your backups yeah. in there to do things, right? I don't, I don't Justice Hill over Gus Edwards without even thinking about it for a second. Oh, yeah. Justin Hill, Justice Hill is the guy to own uh, after Ingram, of course. You're going to see people waste a, a high waiver wire spot and trying to get a running back, and, oh, yeah, maybe Mark Ingram's not healthy. It's a mistake, guys. Just, like, w- go get out Gus Edwards if Mark Ingram's out or if Justice Hill is out. That makes more sense to me than going out and get him now trying to chase the two touchdowns. I think he had two touchdowns, or at least I know he had one for sure uh, in a blowout game that really did Everyone not scored in that game. Right. Everyone across the board. Exactly. Right. Just be careful with that. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to get to the receivers, which I think is the more impactful free agent uh, process in just a moment. I want to get a word from our sponsor, SeatGeek, first. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for everything from sports and con- concerts to comedy and theater. I actually had a SeatGeek app on my phone uh, really, well I have it now, but I used it last, last year and that's mainly because I'm a, a poor fantasy analyst. Uh, and I used it to buy the, the Brewers LCS loss in game two to the Dodgers, one of the last Brewer games oh, I've man. got to go to. And Justin Turner hit that home run late to seal the game. But I used it to buy the game six win against the Dodgers. Oh, okay, that rub it in. Game yeah. Seven. yeah, see, I, 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 for so, I went to five Brewers playoff games last year and didn't lose a single one. I somehow lucked into all of them. Yeah, I went to, well, that was the one that Lorenzo Cain made the spectacular catch in the first inning to rob the home run. And I actually mm. have a framed Lorenzo Cain jersey that's signed in my apartment because I absolutely love His lack love of a him. gold glove is absolute highway robbery oh my god yeah but this is a football podcast joe (laughs) well come on but that's the last time i used the seeky i was awesome and best of all for our listeners you get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase of of thirty dollars or more just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code roto nfl today that's promo code roto nfl for ten dollars off your SeatGeek purchase of thirty dollars or more SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. I love that slogan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Excellent. let's let's get to the receivers. We talked about Tyrell Williams. Joe was really on board with him. Kenny Stills, Marquise Brown. Boy, that sounds great. James Crowder, John Brown. Really, every one of these guys could have potentially won your league if you started him as a wide receiver three or flex. Hopefully, the same thing is going to occur mm-hmm. for these guys that we're going to talk about now. The problem is you weren't starting them as a wide receiver uh, three uh, or No, flex. no. I started Tyrell Williams. I started J- Jameson Crowder mm-hmm. because yeah. I drafted poorly before, I guess. Well, I started, <laughs> I started Jameson Crowder in my Antonio Brown league and then left Jameson Crowder on the bench over Christian Kirk and Mike Evans in a league that I barely lost. So a little salty about that. But actually, Jameson Crowder is still only 47% owned. So there's very he's, much... Yeah, he still this, sneaks mm-hmm. into this yeah. one. But there's there's even more relevant names that I think are worth discussing. Mm-hmm. Let's start with John Ross, who I think is one of those guys that I'm going to spend a lot of my fab budget on mm-hmm. immediately. He had an 86% snap share in week one. Obviously, A.J. Green is out and is going to be out for an extended amount of time. He turned that playing time into a seven-catch, 158-yard, two-touchdown line on 12 targets. Mario and John McKenna Keckney on the Thursday podcast were all over this John Ross play, all over it, mm-hmm. and they absolutely crushed it. I think he's he's one of the more relevant receivers now to roster, and frankly, he got the bad uh, rap as a just speed speed specialist. He can run routes and be an effective receiver, not just on speed alone. So, mm-hmm. what's your take on John Ross? I think that he is the top wide receiver target this week. I originally, when I was first making this outline and thinking about who the top bid's going to be, my first gut was like Marquise Brown because he was someone who I thought 
thought, okay, they needed a number one wide receiver in that offense. They got it. But then I look at the snap share, and we'll get to Brown in a second, but Ross played a ton of the game, and he does risk losing a little bit to A.J. Green. Who knows how long A.J. Green's going to be out? He's in a walking boot. It could be a couple more weeks, and even when he comes back, how long is that going to actually last? Um, so, you know, a lot of those injury-prone snap-catching options. I love John Ross. At only 12% owned, there's a good chance you can go out and get him. Um, I will be placing bids. It's going to depend on my level of wide receiver need, but I think I'm going to be placing bids in the 22 to $32 range because there's a couple things where I need a wide receiver three, mm-hmm. and I need to snag him, and I need to move fast, and uh, this is how I'm going to do him. Do you agree with that range, or do you think you go a little bit more in price? I'm, I'm even more aggressive. I actually put down at least two NFFC bids where I'm talking about 40% of my budget. Now, mm-hmm. I listened to Jeff Erickson and Scott Jenstead talk about NFFC budgets overall uh, in their Wednesday podcast, and they were talking about being aggressive, getting your guy right away in the weeks one or two or three. And if it means spending a, a ton of money in your budget right away, that's fine because you're getting a guy that's playing all 17, se- or all 17 games of the mm-hmm. season. I think John Ross applies to that, frankly— I think Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin, guys we're all going to talk about in a little bit, all actually apply. I think these mm-hmm. this is a really good crop of receivers. Christian Kirk, Dante Pettis, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Anthony Miller, Dante Moncrief. There's a lot of receivers that we had ranked above all of these guys, John Ross in particular. And I would rather have a lot of these free agent options right now, particularly a guy like Corey Davis, who had no catches despite the Titans throwing for 265 plus yards. Yeah, nothing for Corey Davis. Goose egg for Anthony Miller. Dante Moncrief was dreadful. He oh, caught yeah. three passes and in they 10 need targets. To pass. Pettis will increase a little bit, but he had what like two offensive snaps. Yeah, something Christian like that. Christian Kirk, I'm at least okay with because he had a good. I think he had a good target number. I think it was 12. I don't know the top of my head. And they exactly. ran a lot of plays. Which and was, right, yeah, and so he'll have better weeks. I'm okay with that. And plus, he was one of my keepers. I'm not ready to give up just yet. <laughs> um, Curtis Samuel, you're right. Uh, I thought he was going to be a little bit better than what he showed week one. But uh, yeah, I, I do agree. A lot of these guys that we're going to talk about, yeah, we want to try to offer our listeners at least a cut list because, you know, if we just say we like all these guys, well, that's not that's only half the story, right? You need to, right. You need to consider, you know, the other side of this decision. Uh, so John Ross is, uh, I think we can agree that he's our top target, though. There are a couple more guys I definitely like. Yeah, Marquise Brown being one of them. It's actually owned 20% more in Yahoo leagues than John Ross. And I think John Ross is a better version of Marquise Brown. But that's mm-hmm. not to insult Marquise Brown. He had now, of course, the two touchdowns in what the first quarter it felt like. He had four catches, 147 yards, and two touchdowns on just five targets. Now, people are going to get scared off by the 18% snap share. And, and you brought that up in some relevant mm-hmm. point. But that game was not close within two quarters, right? Like, I, I wonder what a fully functioning Ravens offense that's not trying to hide things, that's not trying to tip their hand against a what could be one of the worst teams in mm-hmm. NFL history in the Dolphins, what that looks like. I, I think he's he's very relevant. Frankly, if you're not getting John Ross at 40% budget in your fab, I think Marquise Brown probably fits that mold too. Exactly. He's definitely a good backup bid and, and one that you want to place in there. And I love his upcoming schedule. He's got Arizona this week, fast-paced, going to run a lot of plays. Then at Kansas City the week afterwards, uh, again, we agreed that they gave up a, a decent amount of fantasy points to Gardner Minshew and company and, and Foles before that. And then he's got Cleveland at home after that, who that defense didn't. On paper, there's some real good backs in that secondary, but uh, didn't obviously didn't cut it against Tennessee. So I love the Marquise Brown upcoming schedule. That helps. And I mean, hey, if you only needed 14 snaps to produce a 4, 147, and two touchdown lines on five targets, what happens when he gets 50 snaps? Right. Right? You know he's going to have eight touchdowns. No, no, maybe not. But uh, he, he's someone that uh, is absolutely worth owning over a lot of those guys that you mentioned in the cut list above. 
Lamar Jackson can throw the deep ball, but the intermediate throw, he can also do too. And I think Marquise mm-hmm. Brown's going to get to that point in his game where he can take advantage of it. A guy that actually did that already week one against what we thought might be a difficult matchup, Terry McLaurin, Redskins. He's only 6% owned. He had five catches, 125 yards, and one touchdown. I actually kind of sniffed uh, his value a little bit late towards fantasy draft season as a guy mm-hmm. that was like, well, somebody has to catch passes for the Redskins, yeah, he right? Started, I'll give credit to Liss because he does our projections, but I, and I was doing a lot of my software and my drafts you know on the on the monday or tuesday or monday on labor day or the tuesday or wednesday right. afterwards that was my last run of drafts and i kept seeing this guy terry mclaurin sneaking up in mm-hmm. cheat sheets when i was at the end i'm thinking who the heck is this dude so i did some research and uh you know a third round pick here out of ohio state i should remember that from big 10 country um he apparently looks to be pretty legit at least uh you know we have all these advanced nfl stats on our on our player pages and he's in green in all of them in terms of air yards and air yards per snap and his catch rate and his and his average yards after the catch and his depth of target his average depth so let's see he had uh seven targets and his average depth was 20 yards so uh he's getting looked at for big chunk yardage and is somebody that is going to be able to be used and relied on considerably look at this wide receiver depth chart we've got paul richardson who at least some people have heard of then mcl Lawrence in there. Then we were dealing with Trey Quinn, Kevin Harmon, and Steven Sims. Uh, tell me one thing about any of those guys. Well, I thought Trey Quinn actually was somebody. I, he was either it was either Terry McLaurin or Trey Quinn, and Quinn got a, a junk time touchdown mm-hmm. at the end. Far and away, it's McLaurin. Yes. I think is worth ninety-three percent snap share. That's the big thing that, uh, that that jumped out at me. And uh, he's someone that you know you could argue that you could even place McLaurin above Marquise Brown in this week's waiver yeah. wire rankings, just because. We know for a fact that in a game that was relatively close for most of it, he was out there on the entire field. So if you're bid, if you're putting a twenty six, twenty seven dollar bid on John Ross and maybe a, a twenty one dollar bid on Brown, like you could easily you could convince me that around 25% of your budget for McLaurin isn't outrageous. When opportunity meets talent, that's when we, we have a situation where Terry McLaurin is going to be 6% owned. I wouldn't be surprised if it shoots up to 36% uh, by the end of waiver wire pickup. I've put around 20% of my budget in NFFC drafts on him. I think I might have to even go higher looking at that. He's only my wide receiver four or wide receiver five if I didn't draft. And I understand that. But again, I would take him over a guy like uh, Dante Pettis. I feel more comfortable starting him against Curtis Samuel. Will Fuller is a little bit more high upside but uh, Corey Davis, Anthony Miller, Dante Moncrief, guys that were getting drafted way higher, owned significantly more leagues, that I think McLaurin fits that mold. And DK Metcalf, another person that uh, rookie receiver, really a lot of these guys mm-hmm. showing out. He had four catches on six targets for 89 yards, played 41 offensive snaps. He could lead the team in targets by the end of the season. I think it's entirely mm-hmm. possible. His draft stock fell down with the knee injury throughout the preseason. Some thought that he might not be able to play. He only missed, I think, 18 days overall despite having surgery. I, I loved him to the point where Harry Thompson, one of our tech guys at RotoWire and a f- fantastic fancy mind, uh, was making fun of me quite a bit for owning him and drafting him in a lot of different leagues. Mm-hmm. He's worth it. Yeah, and I he, think he really is. You definitely liked player. him a lot more than I did because you got the rookie receiver on a team that doesn't have any interest in really passing the ball, and then you threw the knee injury on top of that, and I was out. I have zero percent ownership. I haven't I haven't owned him at all. But now might be my chance to get just a little bit because looking at his ownership percentage, thirty eight percent, he might be around in a few of my leagues, and I'm actually checking that out now to add him to my bid list. Uh, I've turned around on him real quick, obviously an exceptional athlete. He played 41 snaps compared to Tyler Lockett's 48, but Lockett was just targeted twice and only caught one of those passes that he made count. And uh, looking like Metcalf as a rookie might be able to be uh, just as productive, if not more productive, at least as more of a chain mover. Because, you know, I'm looking at the Seahawks depth chart. The tight end position doesn't scare me. I mean, Chris Carson can catch some passes, but there's just not a lot out there for pass catching options. 
and obviously Metcalf has gone ahead of David Moore, Jerron Brown, those types of guys. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a guy that'll be relatively productive, but there'll be some dud weeks, but I think you can get some fantasy utility out of him. How often they're going to be passing remains a question mark, and Chris Carson did end up receiving a lot of targets, likely I talked about mm-hmm. throughout the preseason and why he kind of rose to the third or fourth round in most drafts um, yeah. by the end of August. That that makes sense, but I think Metcalf needs to be owned. John Brown is a guy that was a major target hog for the Bills in week one needs to be owned probably 100% of the leagues. I, I feel like DK Metcalf is going to get to that point, even if he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. Just the amount of targets he's going to get and is the guy that operates as the number one receiver. I like him quite a bit, regardless if it's deep or uh, standard or like shallow formats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you mentioned John Brown. He's 50% owned in Yahoo leagues. That he was another way guy. higher. He was another guy that, uh, you know, at the end of drafts, he was always one of the last mm-hmm. uh, decent receivers that was showing up on the software. Uh, you know, So that name's fresh in my mind. So I did get a couple bits of him of course wasn't starting him week one you're going to deal with some boomer bust but i love his matchup against the giants this week it's weird the last receiver that we really wanted to focus on dj chark is owned in two percent of yahoo leagues but i look at the nffc leagues that i was putting bids on and he was actually owned in three of the four ones that i'm in mm-hmm. uh so he was more of a obviously very late round 18th mm-hmm. 19th round selection in 2018 he got or, bought in our, our stake league auction yep. i don't know if he did in the la side yeah i uh i think he did as well he got a dollar thrown on and that was kind of the idea like okay we're gonna get one of those fast receivers for the jaguars whether it be chris conley whether be DJ Chark or somebody else and I think it's going to make a difference now he had four catches 146 yards and a touchdown he got that touchdown with I think Nick Foles throwing to him in the first quarter obviously went out with an injury mm-hmm. I, I understand the concern but the I mean the, the Stephen King novel chapter two kill off guy Gardner Minshew is probably somebody that is going to be throwing early and often and I'm not necessarily convinced that Leonard Fournette's going to carry the load specifically for the Jaguars I don't mind him as in late round league or like mm-hmm. in a deep leagues. Yeah, Menchu, while he could be unmasked in an episode of Scooby Doo, um, <laughs> oh, that's he a might, good one. Too. He, I was going to say I had to throw it right, right on there. Um, but no, Sharka, uh, I had him near the top of my list to start out with, but then obviously. You know, I'm putting this list together as I'm watching, all, trying to watch all the games at once on Sunday. Uh, he consistently moved down, and then once we got the Nick Foles news, he moved down uh, even further. I don't necessarily, uh, I mean, while Minshew was decent against the uh, Chiefs, I don't necessarily trust him to have two or three big-time fantasy-relevant receivers in that offense. And I still like what D.D. Westbrook is able to do. Yeah, I think he got too. one of the late touchdowns yep. from Minshew. Um, and, and Westbrook's going to be always perpetually kind of in wide receiver three territory when it comes down to rankings for most of the year. Shark's interesting, but uh, definitely I put him behind all these guys we've talked about, Ross, Brown, McLaren, and Metcalf. And even... I st- even though he didn't really produce so much in week one, we got to talk about Miko Hardman yeah. again because I think you can make a case for even putting Hardman ahead of him in that ranking after the Tyree Kill injury. Yeah, I was going to say it's kind of crazy that we're 45 minutes into the podcast and a major injury like Tyree Kill, who's going to be out for multi- multiple weeks, it sounds like, with a shoulder injury. And yet we haven't really got to Miko Hardman. And it's fair because the receivers like John Ross, Marquise Brown probably are worth owning more. more. I have, uh, again, 13 leagues, eight. I own Ronald Jones in seven. I own Michael Harbin. That was mm-hmm. the second most I owned. And for good reason, it was mainly deep league and roster. And I understand why he's only 15% owned in Yahoo leagues. With Tyreek Hill out, he played 53 offensive snaps. And Sammy Watkins obviously and rightfully drew a lot of the fantasy relevance because he had over almost 200 yards and three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Hardman can do that same thing. And we know that Sammy Watkins is injury prone. It's not a guarantee that he plays and does that every single week. I think Hardman needs to significantly rise up in terms mm-hmm. of ownership percentage. Yeah, I mean, Demarcus Robinson's another option on this Chiefs on this Chiefs roster that uh, he played 43 offensive snaps and saw more special teams work. His, uh, his name's getting mentioned up a lot in these conversations, but I still think that Hardman's the guy to own just because of, uh, you know, the, the pure speed that we knew that he had at Combine, you know, 4-3, 340 yards. Um, 
he's a guy that you know maybe wasn't thought of as best hands and best, but but definitely was thought of as as, as best athletes. So they're going to find a way. Andy Reid's going to find a way to get the ball in his hands. You know how Tyreek Hill would get carries and sweeps and screens and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to get creative and do a similar thing with Mecole Hardman while Watkins serves as a more traditional receiver. And we have to mention Hardman because while. We're looking at all these McLaurin, Ross, Marquise Brown, these types of guys that you're going to have to shell out a decent amount of fab for. People are going to look at me, Cole Hardman, and be like, no catches in week one. You right. know? So you could probably get away with like a 2 $3 bid, mostly depending on how savvy the owners are. I think $7 bid could lock him up. Oh, yeah. And I think it's worth it. Again, 53 offensive snaps is a relevant relevant statistic in what's going to be another one of the NFL's best offenses with Patrick Mahomes, who can chuck the ball at any point down the field, but also use him in intermediate Rangers. Like I, a hundred percent, like there's going to be bigger names and I understand going and chasing those guys, but Hardman in even 12 team, 14 team formats, probably he's already drafted. Maybe he was dropped needs to be a hundred percent owners rate in those types of league and league formats. Cause I think he's going to do mm-hmm. a lot of good things. If Hill is missing time for, an I just checked and he's already at, snatched up in all my 12 teamers there you go so i'm so i'm stuck but fortunately that ownership percentage of 15 in yahoo leagues tells me that that's not the same case for all you listeners out there so go ahead and fix that this week i think it's worth pointing out both aj brown and danny amendola again Corey davis played the entire game for the titans titans had a, a pretty obvious win condition they were up by i think they won 43 13 but that really became a blowout towards the end of the game when baker mayfield was just chucking it around to the titans aj brown looked impressive Really, really good. And, and of all the rookie receivers, uh, I think he got probably the least amount of interest because of the Titans' offense overall. But this is one that's going to be throwing and might not be too bad if game one is any indication. I like him as a very, very late one behind Michael Hardman, behind all, really, I think everyone besides DJ Shark. But it's interesting, nevertheless, in deep performance to somebody that wide receiver five or wide receiver six in your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned Mariota being good on play action, and Brown was one of the main beneficiaries. Would have never thought anything of him heading into this week, given that you know we had him listed as fourth on the depth chart, and apparently we can bump him up to maybe as high as second here. Uh, but he was a second-round draft pick. He's got a very good athletic profile. Um, he was on the field for, uh, oh, I think I need to match up his ID or something. I don't have a snap count in quite yet, but three catches on four targets for 100 yards. So uh, he he seems to have big playability. He's someone that you can throw into your flex and hope that he has a really good game. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some disappointing games in there. We are dealing with Marcus Mariota, and, a, and there are some better established names ahead of him. But uh, again, unlike these other guys uh, where you have to put $25, $30 bids in, you can back him up with a buck or two and still not have dead weight on your roster and maybe get something that blossoms into something more. And I think Jamison Crowder Light, which is Danny Amendola, probably has that same same sort of intuition or intonation that he's going to get. I feel like he's going to get five catches each game. But whether he gets 70-plus yards, which he had week one against the Cardinals, or 20-plus yards remains to be seen. There was a couple times that he made tackle, he made people miss, and I just don't see that happening against better teams. That Cardinals secondary, missing Patrick Peterson, missing uh, Robert Alford, who was out with a broken leg. They're down to their third and fourth string guys in week one already. So I, I just be, be cautionary about that. But still, in a PPR format, he's another 5 to 10 safe um, target that I think in flex weeks and certainly in bye weeks as we get closer to that time period probably is worth picking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured all the lines would get a slight boost because of the number of plays and of course that got even boosted further with a full 15 minutes of overtime yep. in this situation. So I'm not quite sure that there's a, a, enough of an area. There's going to be a couple weeks for Amendola, but if you pick him up and start him, you're going to have a lot of like 4 for 37 weeks and you know there's there's value in that depending on your format, but um, definitely not, not as much upside with some of these other guys. Uh, we talked about a lot of cut guys 
Joe, anybody else uh, come into play for Devin you? Devin Funches, who I owned in a lot of different places mm-hmm. as a 10th and later round selection, broken collarbone, placed on IR, I think. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that probably needs to be cut at this point. Yeah. Geronimo Allison wasn't really interested in yeah, him, and I Anthony mean, Miller, too. Geronimo Allison, I assume that, of course, they'll have uh, they'll get him more looks, but he didn't have any targets despite playing. The, right. He did play the third most snap, so maybe that's enough to hang on to him, but I think we're pretty clear on MVS being number two in Green Bay right now. I would rather have, again, any of these guys we talked about over Devin Funches, Geronimo Allison. Allison, Anthony Miller, Dante Pettis, who I keep bringing up, he only mm-hmm. had two offensive snaps. That was really confusing. And He could grow at least. I'll give him that. You know, we could be talking him at around week three, four of the podcast as a PPR right. option once bye weeks are starting. Um, but right now, at this point in time, I think you need, there's going to be more overall upside with some of the other names that we I mentioned. I own Zay Jones in a few leagues as a very, very, very late-round faller. Out of here. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, he needs to get gone for John Brown or even Cole Beasley. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, these are the receivers are packed. And I think there's at least four or five relevant names that you should be considering picking up on your team, even if it's 10 teams. 12 teams, 14, 16, like there's some pretty good players out mm-hmm. there. Unfortunately, tight end probably isn't the same thing. We talked about Jordan Atkin, Tyler Eifert, Darren Waller last week. Waller looked outstanding for the Raiders in Monday night's win over the Broncos. And I think at 44% owned, I would be shocked if he's not more closer to 60 or 70 by next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Waller absolutely needs to get into that conversation. And he could be very much, we could be talking about him finishing in tight end one t- territory by the end of the year. There's always a couple guys because the position gets so volatile mm-hmm. and so weird. Um, you know, if he's going to continue to outperform guys like Jared Cook, I would probably put them pretty close on my rest yeah, of the season rankings. Absolutely. And I wonder if Jimmy Graham needs to be considering that conversation too. He got the touchdown, and it was kind of a throw-up touchdown by Aaron Rodgers, um, and mm-hmm. Graham just went and got the ball. But I was surprised to see how much he was used effectively in the Packers' offense in that win over the Bears. Like mm-hmm. He wasn't just a goal-line target. He was used in the middle, uh, kind of stretching the seam, and as a big body. And it wasn't just a check-down person, but somebody they were they, the Packers were legitimately targeting. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of fantasy analysts like to you know kind of throw a lot of flack as him being just a retread that doesn't have a bunch of upside. But, I mean— if he uses him in that capacity, it was basically, hey, Jimmy, go get a rebound. And that's yes. what he did. And yeah. um, if that's a red zone option on a week when Devontae Adams was wrapped up uh, like crazy, now I don't expect that to happen on a week-to-week basis. Devontae Adams is going to start breaking out here sooner rather than later, and he'll be a red zone target as well, like he has been throughout his whole career. But, uh, I mean, Jimmy Graham, he's perfectly fine as a tight end, too, and someone you can throw into your lineup uh, when you have to probably more so when bye weeks come, but someone you can throw in your lineup when you have to and hope it's one of his touchdown weeks. Well, I hear a lot of, oh, Aaron Rodgers never throws to his tight end. Well, they've had really crappy tight ends, like the Richard Rodgers of the world for four or five seasons. I mean, the last, the last decent one was your Michael Finley, and, and he that worked out beautifully. You know? Yeah, so when you when you have an actual talent, and I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a talent for that offense, he mm-hmm. is going to utilize that position more. So ignore that fallacy because it is one. One year Michael Finley was around as the last good tight end for mm-hmm. the Packers. They used him effectively. TJ Hawkins. I was going to say, we got to sneak him. No, I mean, he's not sneaking. He's 53%, so he Mm kind of breaks our – he's 53% owned, so he breaks our rules. Mm -hmm. But it's close enough to that marker, and he had, man, an excellent week one. We were on this podcast Mm -hmm. probably – three weeks ago saying, no, don't draft any rookie tight ends. No offense. Yep. TJ Hawkinson mm-hmm. shouldn't be owned. History says tight ends as a rookie always struggle. Well, uh, Hawkinson might be breaking the mold. Yeah, Fant was right. Hawkinson, maybe not so much. He uh, he looked pretty good again. Pretty solid matchup. Nine targets, six catches for 131 yards. I mean, there's a lot to go around in Detroit this week. And uh, I think here's how I'll rationalize our decision to include him. 53% entering Sunday's slate of games, he was probably below 50%, but then you get the first come first serve leagues mm-hmm. that starts, that start to uh, throw the numbers off a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, I think that pushed him over the edge, but he's someone that, uh, 
especially if you're in need of a tight end position, he's at least the first name you type in just to make sure he's taken because he might not be in a handful of formats. So Here's why I think that Hawkinson's going to be good for most of the season, and I'm willing to change my mind. I watched all the Cardinals-Lions game. I was interested to see how Kyler Murray uh, ended up running that offense. The the thing I took away was, okay, the Lions are going to be a running team, but what makes them good as a running team is that the play action is going to be relevant, and they had multiple tight end sets out there a lot. Hawkinson got free often mm-hmm. in those formations, and I think the run setting up the pass is going to benefit Hawkinson the most, and he he had uh, Matthew Stafford's eyes a lot. like That was the primary target. Uh, and Stafford looked his way and, and completed a lot of plays, and Hawkinson made yeah. it work. That's a good point about two tight end sets because Hawkinson had 64% of team snaps and Jesse James had 51% of team snaps. Obviously, that doesn't add up to 100, so the two of them were on the field quite a bit together, and that's an interesting fold in this offense. I'm dropping Jack Doyle or Eric Ebron for Jimmy Graham, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Vernon Davis slid in with Jordan Reed out with the concussion. It sounds like Reed might be eligible to play week two. If that's the case, I think mm-hmm. I'm probably having Reed over yeah. any of these guys. But. I'm watching the show Dark on Netflix right now and it's a time hopping show kind of and I feel like uh, oh shoot this could have just easily been like 2013 2014 that we're talking about Vernon Davis stepping in for an injured Jordan Reed did you see the play that he had the touchdown where he he hurdled an Eagles guy and then mm-hmm. stiff armed somebody else to run forty six yards. It was it was one of the more athletic plays I've ever seen from Sounds a thirty five plus guy. Pretty spry to me. Oh my god, that was incredible. Needless to say, uh, if Jordan Reed's out there, I do feel like the tight end position for the Redskins is going to be targeted. Uh, but if Reed misses time, definitely go and acquire Vernon Davis. I mean, it's the same thing we talked about with McLaurin in the receiving situation. I read off that wide receiver depth chart. There's not a whole lot there. No, no. And do you want to get to some of these defenses quick too? Yeah, it, I'll just do quick hitters with defenses. Some guys that are under fifty percent. I ranked them a little bit. I'm interested in the Jets, 24% versus Cleveland, both because I like the Jets and because Cleveland, Baker Mayfield looked pretty dang turnover prone on Sunday. Watch him bounce back and light it up, but that's one you have to think about because the criteria when I think about streaming defenses are home team, low over under, turnover prone quarterbacks. So Jets seem to fit that off of the week one sample size. They're the only home team at, or actually that I really throw in here. Um, CJ Mosley should be eligible to play week two. He had mm-hmm. missed portions of week one, but he seems to be healthy. He'll be right. Didn't he, didn't get, I thought he, he got, got a pick, a pick six. six. Yeah, I was going to say. And then he got hurt. Yeah, and then he got hurt. Okay, okay, good. Because I, I missed the getting hurt part. But uh, the other one I want to talk about, and this is one that was drafted a lot, only 45% owned, so 55% available. Buffalo at the Giants. The over-under is 43 and a half on that. Again, it's a road team, but low over under with the turnover prone quarterback. The Titans defense looked better than I expected, and they got they're at Indianapolis uh, over under forty five on that game. Jacoby Brissett, we like him as kind of the low end QB two still, mm-hmm. but definitely in the bottom half if you look at the overall quarterback rankings in the entire league here. And then one maybe for the season, the the entire season, maybe if you're on a, on a in a league that forces you to keep two defenses at all times, um, I, I, my first bit of advice would be to either quit that that league or uh, or, or petition your They're commissioner. They're my family league. I can't. I have to stay with it, <laughs> unfortunately. They make you hold two defenses? Yeah, and two kickers. Man, see, I... I I'm in one league with my dad, and I saw that he was holding two kickers and two defenses, and um, you don't have to. And I'm thinking, man, do I <laughs> you tell took care him? Of that one, yeah. Do I tell him, or do I just let him keep doing that? I don't know. Um, but anyway, if you're in one of those leagues, the Packers defense, man, I got to say um, yeah, a lot of people gave me some crap for my Mitch Trubisky takes this offseason here, but. We I'm can't completely, hand. yes, yeah, as you should. You can't completely discount the fact that maybe the Packers, this is their second season under Mike Patton. They spent a lot of money in free agency to give them to fill some keyholes and uh, and and improve the pass rush. And they and they drafted and got better in the secondary as well. They improved on all aspects of the defense essentially. Um, and 
they're familiar in the system. Maybe it's not that Trubisky and the Bears are so bad, but that the Packers' defense is so good. We can't discount that possibility yet. And they're not typically a defense that you've thought about owning in any of the last five years from any kind of a fantasy <laughs> perspective. But only 7% owned, maybe not so much this week. But next week they get Flacco and the Broncos. Uh, they got they have the Eagles on Thursday. That's a tough one. Cowboys, I mean, th- there are some games, but then they go to the Lions and the Raiders. They still got to play the Lions twice. There's It's an interesting schedule, and there's going to be some matchups where you can use them uh, this week. I think they'll, they'll be someone we talk about as a streaming option when we get to bye weeks, at in, least. In, in deeper leagues, I think it's actually worth picking them up. I'm not sure if anyone's patented the, this yet, so I'll try to get ahead of the curve. Uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith were both free agent acquisitions by the Packers this offseason. Smith squared looked pretty darn good against the Bears. Smith squared the two of them together. We'll work on uh, that. And I, no, no, I like <laughs> it. Don't don't make me change it. Next week, they get the Broncos. Weird, fluky things happen on Thursday Night Football, which is why I'm not necessarily saying stay away from the Packers against Eagles in week four. Then you have the Cowboys, which while Dak Prescott looked fantastic against the Giants, the Packers have had the Cowboys numbers in recent years offensively and defensively. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if that's not bad. And then they round out week six and week seven. Lions and Raiders definitely must starts. That's yeah. a defense to keep your eye on. We absolutely had to end the show with a little bit of Packers talk. You know, <laughs> we, not, we avoided for the most part. Yeah, not, not every week we'll get to streaming defenses. I mean, Jerry Donabedian writes an excellent article. I don't know if I even said the name right. There's a lot of syllables there. But he writes an excellent article on our website that um, details streaming defenses. He ranks his entire set of defenses for rest of season and the next four weeks and and he has a table with all this. It's really useful. And then he highlights all the defenses under 50% owned and why and why they're the best. Um, I wish I could put that whole article in this podcast that we do because it's insanely useful. But watch out for that on rotowire.com. And because we're winding down, rotowire.com slash POD, rotowire.com slash pod. Gets you 10 days to the site. Don't even worry about taking your credit card out of your wallet because we have got you covered. Um, it's a free trial, truly no strings attached. Check out our weekly rankings, our defense rankings, our DFS tools, everything that we reference on the website. We're talking about snap counts. We're talking about team trends pages excellent stats pages we try to have the best stats in the business so a lot of stuff to help you uh, the podcast is a great supplement to a lot of these pieces kevin payne's waiver wire piece you mentioned in the beginning the podcast is a great supplement but there's a a ton of good stuff to offer for your research on rotowire.com quick, quick spotlight for jerry as well he also does the um sit and start kind of articles now for us on rotowire and that he could completely crushed it with the aaron Rodgers over tom brady which i was getting into a, a twitter debate with him mm-hmm. he did a good job with that article too he'll be doing yeah. that throughout the rest of the season so definitely tune into that if you're uh, making any sort of last minute decisions or kind of waffling through some guys that does it for us on the tuesday rotoware nfl podcast we'll be back again next tuesday hopefully talking a little less john brown and a little less uh joe john ross too i should say uh until then best of luck with your lines This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.